0: We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. He have a kind of a reputation of being the
1: young, the young diehard fans. How was that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey,
2: guys, let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right?
1: Welcome back to the Underage Packers Podcast. This is episode 92. So glad to have you here. Uh, before we get too far into this, please do us a favor. Subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. Follow us on Spotify if you're listening on there. Uh, and just generally support us and follow us on all the social medias. We really appreciate that. Anywho, it is Bears. Um, I should probably introduce myself. I always forget to do this. I'm Joey. So uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, with me as always is my co-host Big B. So uh, Big B, let me ask you: Do you have any yeah. uh, any big plans this weekend?
0: Man, well, um, well, it's my birthday this weekend, and oh, I think, just that's I right. Think, I think there's uh, something on Sunday. I think I'm doing. Mm. I think it's um, the Bears game. Oh, I'm going to the Bears game. That's
1: good. oh, okay, yeah. I think I'm going to that sporting event too. So wait, your your birthday is actually on game day. Yes. Okay, that's kind of wild. Yes. I think okay, we need to get everybody on Packers Twitter. I probably shouldn't be telling you this, and folks, now <laughs> it's gone. Um, like I, I should, I, I should, I could have planned out a whole surprise party for you. I know. But, okay, we need to we need to plan out something out. Lot one, everybody that's coming to the game on Packers Twitter, somebody bring a cake and uh have a, have a Big B birthday party. Oh, boy. One year closer until we have to change the name of Underage Packers. Hell, yeah. Anyways, we'll be at the game celebrating mm-hmm. Big B's birthday, celebrating a dominating Packers win, extending their lead in the historic series against the Chicago Bears. Uh, friend of the show and Chicago Bears owner Aaron Rodgers will look to have a good game, hopefully throwing six or seven touchdowns. Um, I mean, this is the first game you're attending this year, uh, yes. first game I'm attending this year. So, you know, we just had to get in here last minute to hopefully see some last, uh, last dance, Aaron Rodgers, last, maybe last opportunity in our lifetimes to see him play as a Packer. Yeah. Who knows? So it's going to be epic. Anyways, today we had a great chat with the one, the only Rachel Hopmeyer of NBC 26. Um, Like I said, had some great chats, great uh, answers from Rachel, some good questions uh, from the both of us. So it was fun to talk to her. So hopefully you enjoy that. We talked a little bit about this bears game coming up. We talk uh, about the NFC North. Uh, I had a few questions for Rachel about kind of her life as a news reporter, which I think uh, she had some very good answers to. And I'm going to quit explaining this because sometimes (laughs) when I'm listening to podcasts and they do these little professional intro type things, I'm like, okay, stop spoiling it. I'm (laughs) listening to this for a reason. I don't need you to explain what his answers are, all right? So Mm -hmm. (laughs) hopefully you enjoy it. Great time with Rachel Bigby. Anything you want to add before we throw it to that?
0: Well, it was a great interview. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good one. So don't skip ahead or don't skip at all. It's a good one. Try yes.
1: To... Don't skip, please. Yeah. Let's start it. With... Okay. We are now here with our guests this week. Me and Big B were just talking last week, how long it's been since we've had a guest on the show. Uh, and today that is Rachel Hopmeyer of NBC 26. Am I saying that right? Is it Meyer or is it Mayer?
2: I prefer Meyer. My family's very split on it. So obviously oh. when you're in a profession where people are gonna say your name a lot, you have to say your name a lot. You gotta pick yeah. one way to go. I, I thought Hop Meyer just felt appropriate.
1: Okay. Well thank uh thank you for joining us today, Rachel.
2: Yeah, I'm so thrilled to be here with you guys.
1: Yes. Uh you are a certified good influence. Uh I'm not going to expand on that, but good influence for the children.
2: That's all that matters. I, I yeah. do it for the kids.
1: Okay. So uh today with Rachel, we're gonna be looking ahead to the Chicago Bears game. We'll be talking about the NFC North route ahead. Uh and then Big B will probably ask some questions about Jamal Williams, like he typically does. Classic. Naturally. So let's uh let's start off uh with today. And and I don't we used to last year, when we just started interviewing people, we had a lot of questions uh kind of about their jobs and kind of their daily processes. And then we, we, I I guess we didn't realize we, it's not that they were all the same answers, but we kind of realized that to a certain extent, most of the process, most of the exciting stuff is the same, but I do have a few questions that I I just want to know, you, you know, you're uh, on the sidelines at practice uh, in the, the press auditorium. So uh, one, one question. I have to ask here is when somebody, when coach Fleur or any player goes up there to give an answer and you can tell it's either like coach talk, just a bunch of bull crap or they're completely lying. Like uh, Aaron Jones uh, said a few weeks ago when they were getting ready to play the chiefs, he said, Oh, the chiefs defense, it's a really good defense. And I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody holding up a straight face and then Matt Fleur um, This past week, he said the Bears have two really good quarterbacks. So long-winded question, what's what's kind of the reaction, the the vibe around the media room when everybody can tell the guy on deck is lying?
2: I think at the end of the day, um, coach speak can be a PR move at the end of the day. It's also a respect factor mutually, um, especially with these pre-game press conferences leading up throughout the week there's just no reason reason to be trash talking from that perspective so the yeah. guys are always going to speak respectfully about the game sometimes if it's a situation like the bears current record or stuff like that you know uh, maybe later just just as people that love football you'll you'll look at someone and be like lol but at the end of the <laughs> yeah. day um the guys are on the podium to speak to the media but also to do their own sort of personal version of pr so at the end of the day uh you you know what it is and you take the value of it but there's also you know hints of of respect with this rivalry stuff like that you know this is obviously the biggest matchup of the NFL regardless of the scoring records ever as we know it's still on Sunday Night Football even though we can all practically bet our life savings with how this is going to turn out at the end of the day it's still Sunday Night Football for a reason the storylines write themselves here so is it maybe somewhat humorous when you hear coach speak sure but at the end of the day it's words that are going to be said you're not changing them
1: yeah. And I, I, I love, um, the thing I think about with this is in Madden, uh, they have a new feature this year, uh, in Madden franchise. If you're like playing as coach of Fluor, they have you do weekly press conferences
2: Oh, and
1: oh, I know exciting. I, I'm a little <laughs> mad that they don't have like customizable beat reporters. So like yeah. I would have, I'd have make it so I could have Wes Hockowitz, Mike Spofford in that room. Easy. Um, Unfortunately, they haven't added that yet, but I'll take what I get. But take anyways, the yeah, they have uh options for what you can say. They don't have like very in-depth answers, but like well, uh, the reporters will ask you, uh, what do you think of your upcoming opponent? And your options are either insult opponent or give a lot of confidence. Wow! And sometimes, you know, if I'm feeling a little off the edge, want, want a little excitement, I'll make it a little less realistic and have Matt Fleur fashion opponent so that, that's always fun
2: you're absolutely right that it's a less realistic option but I'm glad franchise mode even lets you do that I'm shocked that yeah. they do and I wish it was something like that at the end of the day you know I feel like the only time you're really going to see a head coach insult to a varying degree in opponent is if it's a really really heated playoff matchup and they're trying to rile each other yeah. up you know I the closest LaFleur got to that was imitating Pete Carroll's um you know <laughs> hand warmer I mean yeah. that's not insulting that's just poking good fun so again, it, it's partially, you know, LaFleur being the well-rounded smiley guy. He is also partially, it's just, it, it's, it's PR uh, all the time. You know, an insult it is an insult. And that's a, a serious thing in the league.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm sure Jason is also, he, he's, he's making sure LaFleur doesn't select that insult opponent option.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think that option's on the table for them.
1: <laughs> so uh, another question I kind of wanted to ask uh, now about your job. Is so you work for NBC twenty six your nightly news and one thing that I've kind of always found a little fascinating or a little just crazy about specifically that type of job in the media is how it's constantly and changing and uh, for, for people personally and and not in the sense of like you have low job security or you don't think people like your bosses, higher-ups trust you, but you're constantly looking for possible new job opportunities, I guess, just from the outside. Um, like, you, you know, Olivia Reinhardt uh, from the Green Bay Press Gazette, she just uh, left there went to somewhere in Philadelphia. And the next day she's covering the Pittsburgh Flyers or the Pennsylvania Flyers, wherever they play hockey team. So, <laughs> Uh, kind of two-parter for you here, Yeah. kind of what is it like to so quickly change? uh, Because you were with uh, covering the NHL in Boston before this. Uh, So what is it kind of like completely moving your life for for this job? And then also with that, kind of adjusting to completely covering a different team um, and kind of uh, learning all the ins and outs of them.
2: I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, you can be blessed to enter, you know, with a team or in a market in an off season, which gives you plenty of time. I started here in March 2020. So it was right before the draft. I had plenty of time to catch up and prepare. But some people get a job, you know, right before training camp and you're thrust into that, you know, plenty of um, jobs start around then. And that can be tough as well. Or I've had friends had to change beats in the middle of the season. One of my friends that works for the athletic just changed from a team to features. And, you know, that means you're not covering a team for the rest of the season, but now you're picking up stories with guys who you might not have met yet. So, um, it it can be hectic, but it's, it's the pressure, you know, that makes you perform harder at the end of the day. It's, a lot of this industry, especially on the TV side, is sort of contract-based. So you take Mm. these jobs for a set amount of time. And that's where you kind of see some of that mobility. And and the desire to be mobile and change different markets is all very personal. It depends on people. Some people want to get back to their hometown market. Olivia is from the Philly area, so that's why Mm. she went back to the Enquirer. But um, it also just depends on when opportunities arise. Because one person is mobile, that impacts someone else taking their job, someone else taking that job. It's a real life cycle of things. But on the TV side of it, it's very time contract based. So people will take jobs for one or two or three years. And when that's up, sometimes you've outgrown it, you've moved on, or you're pursuing other things, you're pursuing more money, um, things like that. There's so many personal factors that come into choosing jobs in markets. And then some people stay in a market for a really long time because they ended up loving it in Green Bay, or they found their partner there, or they're just obsessed with covering this team. There's, again, everything that factors into these decisions. I know it seems like people move around so much. Um, It's all very personal motivations, usually.
1: Sure. I appreciate that answer. Uh, And I find it really interesting because realizing like it's not really easy to you know, you grow up a Packers fan. You have an interest in broadcasting somewhat, and then uh, like it's not that simple. Okay, I'm going to apply here at WFRV, yeah, um, because I I know plenty of people. I think most people really um, that cover Green Bay, uh, the Packers for different news coverages, aren't from Green Bay. Like Chancellor Johnson is from Houston. We talked to him earlier this year. Um, so and I get a lot more appreciation in that aspect just for how dedicated they have to be to simply just sports broadcasting in general, not just to a specific team.
0: Because yeah. if you asked
1: me to do uh, the underage Denver Broncos podcast, I'd have a very difficult time every week. I mean, first off, just learning the players outside of Teddy Bridgewater and Bradley Chubb, but then also just finding a passion every week to deliver uh information on them
2: yeah absolutely it it takes a lot of effort I mean it has to be your life especially if you are in an area that you didn't grow up in and for most people the market that they grew up in is is a top 20 top whatever enough market that you can't just immediately get a job there I obviously did not grow up in Wisconsin so everything I know about the Packers Wisconsin everything has come on my research of the last two years I did not know it before simply I grew up in an AFC world not an NFC world (laughs)
1: So, yeah, so now talking about uh, kind of get into Wisconsin specifically, just one question I wanted to ask about that, and then I'll let uh, Big B talk for a little bit, and then I'll have to shut him up again. He only gets two minutes. <laughs> Kidding, obviously. Uh, but uh, I'm heading to Green Bay this weekend. And one question that we like to ask people that, um, you know, live in Green Bay, what is your favorite restaurant? In Green Bay?
2: Mm. I think it depends on the vibe. But if Mm. I always have someone says, hey, I'm coming for a game weekend, where should I go? Above and beyond, I'll always recommend Hinterland. It's the Mm. brewery right next to Lambeau. To me, it is the only brewery in town that hits three out of three five stars. Food, beverages, and ambiance. I just don't think any other brewery around here hits the three out of three the same. The food, the beverage, the ambiance, everything is always stellar. I've never walked away from there upset or anything other than extremely happy. I spent my night there. I think the staff is incredible. Um, I know the owners kept their employees all on their health insurance during the pandemic, even when they were shut down for such a long period of time. So it's great people behind it. But also you're right next to Lambo. You can't beat the views. Cheese curds are great. Pizza is great. Beer is great. So I, above and beyond, if someone had to ask me for one recommendation, I'm sending you to Hinterland.
1: OK, I know a lot of people say like outside of Lambeau Field area, if you drive out a little bit, that there, there's a lot of other great places. But for, you know, just one and a half day stay like I'm going to have this weekend, you know, hidden places up like Hinterland, Krolls, Stadium View, those those you can never fail with. Those. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Yep.
1: You want to stay there. That's where you're going. Yep. Uh, now, Big B, let's hear your your classic question uh, for racial.
0: All right. What is your favorite Jamal Williams memory? I ask everybody this, so I have to hear it from you. What is your favorite Jamal Williams memory?
2: My favorite Jamal Williams memory. Define memory. Does it have to be his time with the Packers? Whoa. Because honestly, I- above and beyond, like I I really, I, I'm a very player driven content person. Um, I think you guys will notice when I, the way I ask questions, I had a good talk with Andy about this when we were talking about the type of scuffle in the Bills media room the other night. Mm. Um, I really try and be player driven, open-ended because I I like to give players the opportunity to let their personalities, feelings, emotions shine. Um, and, And Jamal Williams is obviously a shiny personality if you ever had to call it anything. And I just really, not that I think the Packers stifled him, but I really love the way Detroit has like, embraced him off the bat I mean his own weekly YouTube show you know the content he's been willing to do the more mic'd up opportunities he's had there than here I I just when I think of Jamal Williams now and I know it's gonna break your heart I think of the Lions content that they've been able to make (laughs) only because like it's hysterical and it's so truly him
1: yeah and I I love the the Jamal that show so funny yes and I I don't know what like kind of the production for that is if they just stick Jamal in a room and put him with a mic, tell him to say some stuff, and then but, but it's incredible and also the theme song for that yep. is awesome too. Um so yeah, Big B, I'm sorry. I the the press conferences like before Rachel's time, uh when they did when they the uh, locker room interviews available with him, those were phenomenal, but
2: he's funny. And I've watched them all. And like, don't get me wrong. Those are classic as well. I can't deny that, but I'm just, what I'm happiest for him the most is that he's on a team that like, so publicly embraces
1: his quirkiness. Sure. Yeah. I, Jamal. God bless. him.
2: That's a good signature big B question though.
1: It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I loved. <laughs> I'm not even going to, uh, well, okay. I won't go too far into it, but Wes Hockwitz had just an absolutely phenomenal.
2: Yeah, story. because Wes has been around that man and yes, knows yeah,
1: him. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, yeah, Wes, nobody's story is going to compare. Wes to has Wes. stories
2: every week that I'm like, yeah. I'd like to hear about yeah. that one.
1: But um, he Wes, on, I'm so glad Big V asked Wes this because on the episode, West was like, "Okay, I'm not gonna get too into detail because this is the underage Packers podcast." So, hearing the censored version is funny enough, but then off camera, West told us the full story and some more details to like it. Like the and good man he is. Yeah, it, it was pretty hilarious. Good. I'm
2: yeah I'm so glad great. he shared this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's Jamal Williams, uh, Rachel's life as a reporter, the glorious life. Uh, now let's 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 get to some football here. Um, Big B, let's hear what uh, the Packers got on hand this weekend, what we're looking at in the NFC North race.
0: All right, well, Packers can clinch the NFC North with a Vikings loss versus Pittsburgh this Thursday and a win over Chicago. Justin Fields will start, so it'll make it a little more interesting than it already was last time. The Packers faced the Bears. It was 24-14. Of course, Rodgers had a big all-I-own-you stuff that we heard for weeks and weeks, and we're still hearing it definitely this week. And So what is one thing we know – or what – geez. What thing did we notice from the last Chicago game? <sighs> Angus, I
2: think, you know, if we want to pull on the – the I own you part of this game, you know, the really deep heartstrings, personal part of this game. It's that this rivalry still means a lot to these players. And I think a lot of people were, were critical, even here that this game stayed on Sunday night football. And they're like, why we all know what, what a beating this is going to be. And that's not even being cocky. Um, But we all knew, you know, going into this, you know, what, what the numbers are. And, And at the end of the day, you still had Aaron Rodgers, you know, at soldier saying to the fans who were flipping him off, I own you. Like that, that means a lot. That's not just like a flippant, you know, spur of the moment thing. Like he was really feeling that energy and did something about it and was vocal and said something into the cameras. Like, it's just, I just think that what we noticed last time, and I know we get this, you know, rivalry twice a year, but um it's the fact that it still means this much to the players, even when the Packers have been performing at a high level for so long and the bears haven't been. Um, but it's also a big difference now is Khalil Mack is out of the picture. And I think that's going to be significant come Sunday.
1: Yeah. Uh, they've been dealing uh, with few injuries lately, not as much as the Packers, but like you just mentioned uh, Rachel Khalil is uh, out. I believe Khalil uh, Akeem Hicks yep. was also dealing with an injury uh, earlier this week. We'll see if he's ready to go Sunday. Uh, but Big B mentioned kind of the big one uh, with Justin Fields fully recovered from his rib injury. So uh, Andy Dalton, not being the starting quarterback this week, I think uh, kind of from what we've seen so far, uh, Justin Fields isn't miles better than Andy Dalton. Both of them made their mistakes when they got their opportunities. Um, but from last week against Arizona, which I know is a very tough team. Backers are also a very tough team. Um, Andy Dalton was, was uh not not a great option for Chicago. So uh, they will certainly uh, be a, a big step up for their offense, having Justin back. And uh, they'll pretty much, what I at least what I think they should rely on, we'll see if the offensive mastermind, uh, Matt Nagy, will agree with my plan uh, is just to run it with David Montgomery. Um, not that the Packers run defenses as open doors as they were in 2019 or 2020, um, but – Certainly, I, I think that's the best way for Chicago to get any sort of points on Green Bay in this game.
2: Absolutely. Montgomery is is the biggest weapon they have on the offense right now. He's great when he's at full strength. So I, I would hope they run him into the ground this weekend. Um, but, you know, exactly. The Packers run defense has improved.
1: Sure. Yeah. And that's uh, the, the defense as a whole is absolutely amazing to watch week in and week out when they had their success. Uh, early on in the season there was such a a point like okay we're sacking on performances when is this going to stop and all mm-hmm. the hype though coming down but we're here week 14 of the season and they still uh, they've had very few bad performances even in their losses um, against Minnesota was a tough one for them but uh, against Kansas City was one of their best games of the season mm-hmm. um, and obviously Jordan Love uh, being in that quarterback ended up losing them that game 13 to seven. Uh, but they, the defense has been playing really well, uh, so far and they might be getting even better as Jair Alexander returned to practice today. It was a limited amount, but, uh, after getting very little info from coach Fleur all uh, this process, because he was on IR, uh, now Jair is back and it looks like he could be designated to return uh, somewhere in these next 21 days and be ready for the final stretch. Uh, Rachel, what do you think getting an all-pro cornerback, one of the best corners in the league, adds to this already good stout Packers defense?
2: I think it adds a lot because ultimately it gives them some flexibility at the, at the nickel. Um, it, it gives them a lot more freedom to explore there because they've been relying so heavily on the corners they have, which it's not to say everybody hasn't stepped up because they certainly have and exceeded expectations at that but having Jair back at full strength and help really gives them the flexibility to rotate those corners around. Um, And and really just hopefully he's on the same page communication wise, because that's been the strength of this defense is their communication, the way they all gravitate and chase the ball in the same way, the way they're collapsing the pocket, you know, on the front end of the defense, it's just been amazing to watch this unit work. So again, you're adding a piece in to a unit that's been very successful for a very long stretch of time this year. The big thing is going to be, is he working at the same pace as everybody else?
1: Yeah, when Jair went down in week five, there was a lot of, I I guess, uncertainty uh, and fear, but not as much as there would have been in the past years uh, because, uh, I mean, the defense was playing good, but then also we didn't know at that time how that Rasul Douglas would even be brought in and then how well Rasul... Uh, would play, and how well Eric Stokes would play when he was asked to to step in as a rookie. Uh, so Jerry Alexander, like uh, you just mentioned, Rachel, stepping in to be uh, giving them flexibility to maybe move some things around at the nickel. Uh, I know Kevin Keene has played a little bit in there at certain points this season, uh, but just a secondary with uh, two great safeties are starting to get even hotter now, Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, And then you have really three guys that have proven they can be reliable starters this season. And then adding Jair Alexander to that mix makes it even more exciting. Uh, Now I I got a question. Speaking about these injuries, let's get a little round table here. Uh, Big B, who has, moving off to kind of the opposite of the injury spectrum, who do you think is one guy that has stepped up and made uh, the most of his opportunities with a player ahead of him, uh, losing, going down to injuries.
0: Man, uh, sadly, a lot of choices, but <laughs> I'm going to say Yash Neiman, because why not? He's um, played absolutely phenomenal. Now we have Elton Jenkins, who is also sadly out for the year, but he has just stepped in, made Every one of his opportunities count. He's just been played phenomenal against some of the best defenders in the National Football League. So he's been one of the better left tackles this year, definitely.
1: Yeah, I don't. That's a really good answer. And I think I'm going to go with another offensive lineman for my answer. And I'm going to say John Runyon Jr. Um, sixth round draft pick in 2020. And before the season, he he did really solid. Uh, when he was asked to step in uh, on the offensive line at left guard last year. He had a rough game against Carolina last year, as much of the offensive line did. But uh, now being a starter for this long stretch that he has been, uh, it's been really impressive to watch him hold up uh, with really not a veteran guy on either one of his sides. I mean, he had Elton Jenkins, but now that left side, including the center, you have uh, Lucas Patrick as the most experienced guy um, on, on that left side of the line. So re- been really impressed with Runyon uh, so far this season. Rachel, uh, who, who's your guy? Who do you think has uh, stepped up with these? I injuries? definitely
2: think Runyon is a great choice. I think Stokes is the obvious candidate. But for me, this was really well-timed for Rashawn Gary to have a breakout year with Zadarius Smith out. At the end of the day, you know, we've been, we as in football fans who have seen his career, you know, arc from, uh, high school to an incredible recruit to Michigan um, he, he's really kind of reaching his potential and the NFL certainly not his ceiling but his potential this year with Zedarius out I think he's just had more reps and opportunities than he ever would have at this rate Um, being you know working in tandem with Preston Smith so even with the elbow injury you know he's come back as strong if not equal to what he was performing at before so to me it's been awesome to see him kind of round at himself out a bit more on the line
1: yeah um, Zedarius being out was a big part in that. Um, I mean, I I think you definitely get an elevated role this year, obviously, even without Zedarius being injured. Um, but building off of that with Rashawn's improvement, big improvement as a starter, uh, I would say Preston Smith, not necessarily making the most of an opportunity, but really showing, um, I don't know how many doubts the coaching staff had about him. But showing the fans, maybe some people on the coaching staff, that he still has it. He still can play like he did in 2019 and not be almost a liability uh, or a weak spot for the Packers' pass rushing core like he was in 2020. So uh, Gary Preston, been really exciting to see those two guys uh, play really good um, at outside linebacker this year. Uh, we got one more roundtable question, and then we'll probably wrap it up here. Um, so going into playoffs Bigby mentioned earlier Packers could look to clinch the NFC North this weekend um, and in the past years for the playoffs when I think about kind of the longer runs Packers have had um, there's a few guys that stick out to me who really stepped up down the stretch uh, 2010 there was so many of them James Starks uh, stands out to me and 2020 there really wasn't a guy you could say maybe Rashawn Gary he had a really good game against the Rams uh maybe Kenny Clark that last year as well but Bigby who is your guy that you've seen uh kind of been on the rise these past few weeks and you think could make a big impact in the playoffs
0: I'm gonna go with um Randall Cobb actually um, he got a lot of opportunities early in the Rams game. I think he had like ninety-five yards receiving if I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really seemed like he's been getting more involved the past couple of weeks, which is always great. And, you know, Rogers has that trust with him and I think he will definitely go to him down the stretch and give him more opportunities.
1: Man, the emotional um part, the emotional connection with Randall Cobb if he goes out there in the playoffs and absolutely balls out for an absolutely incredible storyline, like, I mean, the documentary, I already got the the whole documentary worked out in my head. I, I even started a, a Spotify playlist with my friend Nate back in July when this whole thing was going on. I'm like, okay, what's going to be the soundtrack? Uh, me and Nate, we got the opening uh, sound uh, song for the film worked out for the Super Bowl film. So I don't want, I don't want to announce that yet. So we can't give any ideas to filmmakers. Um, anyways, Randall Cobb all in out in the playoffs would be absolutely so fun to watch. Um, my guy, I'm going to go ahead and say Josiah Deguara. Um, I think he's going to be the leader for the Packers at the tight end position in the playoffs. Robert Tunyon is obviously out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, Deguara got his first NFL touchdown two weeks ago in Minnesota and uh, he was really seeming to get a lot more opportunities in the receiving game. Uh, Rachel, uh, who's your uh, player that you think can step down, step up in this playoff run?
2: I think it, the. Most logical person in my mind could be AJ Dillon really taking on a a higher load. I mean, I could see every game where he has a a game winning or go ahead rushing touchdown. Um, And and his plays matter, you know, those five yards at the goal line really matter. So whether it's five yards earlier or not, I mean, the way he's able to accumulate these first downs is really incredible. So I could totally see him being a guy that uh, the quads really propel the Packers
1: forward. (laughs) Nice. For sure. If, uh, especially if the Packers end up going, getting home field advantage and AJ throughout the second half, once the Packers get really a one, two possession lead, Mm -hmm. just run the ball, AJ Dillon, every single play, wear that defense out and they'll, they'll be in some good shape.
2: Exactly. And the Packers are still the one of only two remaining teams that are undefeated at home this year. So, you know, you know, they're gunning for that.
1: Yes. And hopefully, uh, this this January some snow some cold winter weather comes in clutch for the Packers uh and unlike last year where it's like we finally get an NFC championship game at home for the first time in 13 years and it's like a a nice spring day so that wasn't ideal but uh I think that's all we have to talk about one very important question I had to get in though before we let you you go Rachel um I'm sure Big B will have a very good answer to this one and will be very interested in both of our answers. But I want to hear your favorite Taylor Swift album.
2: Favorite albums? There was a period of time, you know, Taylor Swift really aligned with me in like middle school and high school where everything she wrote uh, always lined up with where I was at and relationships and stuff. So uh, the sentimental attachment is there, but I actually got to see Taylor Swift uh, for free. Key. Whoa. Uh, yep, bingo. On um, the Reputation Tour. And I'm really happy I saw her then because of where she was at as an artist and a person and the production level. Um, and she was really transforming herself. I I compare her a lot to Madonna in the sense that she's an artist that has reinvented herself so many times. Um, and, you know, Big B, you can laugh all you want, but it's true. At the end of the day, I, I'm glad I, I could see her in that era. Yes. Um, unfortunately, like I'll say, like the folklore and Evermore stuff, I I don't relate to that mm-hmm. much. And because she said, you know, she's moving away from talking about her own experiences. And now she's really into the storytelling, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't have the sentimental connection to it. Don't worry. Like, it's good music. My yeah. cat likes to listen to it when we drive to the vet. <laughs> like, it's fine. But it, it just doesn't hold the same value to me as relationship taylor swift did so i think if i had to pick one um red would be up there Mm -hmm. that was a really good album still listening to taylor's version on repeat but (sighs) reputation was really fun
1: yes i i uh i also got to see reputation stadium tour not for free though but um I, i did see that it was phenomenal um you know for me i i agree with you reputation was really fun and i don't really have too many songs in particular that i relate to like you had uh yeah. and also because uh different time periods mm-hmm. that both of us were in high school but i i like 1989 reputation like i don't care too much about the story you just make mm-hmm. it something that sounds good like i don't care if it's trash pop you're just working out the formulas exactly. i i love it
2: Exactly. Does Big B have an answer here? Does he listen to this? I don't
1: know. He might know like one or two Taylor Swift album titles. Just shut up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it had to be asked, and I'm so glad we could include it.
1: Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Th- thanks
1: for your input, Big B. Yeah. <laughs> I we you, we <sighs> can't. You know, you got you got to ask Aaron Nagler what his favorite Queen song and album was. So this is this is uh, it's my currency.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, but you also like Queen too, so the sure. you know.
2: uh, Queen's classic. You should like Taylor Swift, also a classic. <sighs> Jesus, <laughs> He's the John right. of our generation.
0: <laughs> no comment. I can't.
1: I you yeah, <laughs> I know they, you know, Big B. I, you know, he had to work me into listening to Queen, so <laughs> I'll convert him eventually.
2: Just, just get him there.
0: Yeah. Good luck with that. Good luck. <laughs>
1: All right, that's all we have for you today. Uh, thank you so much, Rachel, for uh, coming on telling us about the Packers and the greatest Taylor Swift. Yes, yeah, so happy to be here, guys. Let's do it again. Okay, we got kind of cut off there at an awkward time at the end of that great interview with Rachel. Um, ended it off on a very high note from Taylor Swift questions that think he thoroughly enjoyed. Um yeah, thought was a fun time uh, we thank Rachel for joining us and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Underage Packers Podcast uh, one last time one last plea for support following, subscribing we appreciate all we appreciate it if you're just listening to this point, it means a lot to us so, in conclusion Digby's birthday this Sunday make sure you uh, find some embarrassing pictures from him um, to post out there on Twitter. Please do And, and uh, Packers first Bears game Sunday, 720. Be there. We'll talk to you later. Go Pack Go.